I may word it this way, the Lord has blessed us uh, with having over 40 widow and widowers in our fellowship here. Uh, And there were, I think, about 15 of them uh, who were not able to be with us today. Uh, Some like Mrs. Conkle, Mrs. Bickle, Mrs. Shoup. There are some of the old-time ones that have been with us for many years. Uh, If you'd be willing to deliver any of those flowers to them and make a brief visit with them this week, uh, we are preserving them on water and wanting to keep them nice, wanting to get them to them in the next couple of days. So if any of you are willing to reach out, maybe it's a widow you've adopted or someone you're close to or lived nearby, and you'd be willing to deliver that flower to them, please let Karen or myself know. You can get one of the flowers and just let us know to whom you are taking them to. We want to continue to minister to them. Uh, They serve faithfully. Uh, One of our widows just this week has been moved into a home. Uh, One of them moved last week into a home. So many of them are right now transitioning in their lives, and we want to be a blessing to them through all of these transitions. Turn with me in your Bible, if you would, this morning to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to consider two passages this morning. I'm preaching from Galatians 5, but we'll turn by illustration later on to Isaiah chapter 5. Being at home can be a wonderful thing where you can relax and be yourself. Get away from the pressures of the world. You don't have to put on any show for anyone in particular. You can be yourself. But sometimes being yourself isn't being very godly. In fact, sadly, some are different at home than they are everywhere else. And that isn't a good thing. Sometimes the friendliness... The excitement, the godliness seen in a person's life in church or even in their workplace or around the community is not what the family sees at home. For this reason and others, I've put together a series of messages, and I believe this will be the last in that series of help for a destructive home. Because sometimes what is happening within our home is not only a poor testimony in and of ourselves, but it's hurting others, destroying others, sometimes hindering others from being the type of Christian that they ought to be. So I really believe that the keys found in Galatians chapter 5 can be tremendously helpful for us. Today I'd like you to do something that maybe typically you're not asked to do. Maybe you're known to be a selfish person and Everybody's telling you, you know what, you need to quit thinking about yourself and think about everybody else. But today, I'd really like you to think about yourself. Where are you in your personal relationship and walk with God? Is it evident in your life that you are a Christian? Is it evident by how you live, by how you talk, by what you do? Is Christ being demonstrated in your life? Is it seen first and foremost by your family members, by your neighbors, by your co-workers, by your friends? I was called and asked for a reference recently. And I said, I'm more than willing to give you the reference, but you know I am their pastor, don't you? 
I said, generally, I get to see the good side. And uh, I can only report the good side that I see. But isn't that sad? Sometimes there is another side. And I'd like to talk to you about that today. And the title of my message is Walking in the Spirit While Living in Your Home. Walking in the Spirit While Living in Your Home. Let's go to the Father in a word of prayer as we start the message. Dear Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. How necessary it is for us to walk in the Spirit so that others will see our good works and glorify you, our Father which is in heaven. Father, it's also important for us to be the light of the world. Father, sometimes though that light is hid within our own homes. Sometimes even as Christians, we don't live the Christian life when we're around those that are to be the nearest and dearest to us. As long as we're in church, as long as we're around a pastor or Christian friends, we may have a delightful spirit, we have a godly testimony, but sometimes when when It ought to be in the comforts of home when our family needs it most. Our families see it the least. And so I pray that you would help each and every one of us to make an introspection today of our own lives. Help us not to consider our spouse or help us not to consider our children or our parents. Help us to just consider ourselves. Are we walking in the Spirit Therefore, bearing the fruits of the Spirit within the midst of our home, guide us in our understanding and application of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was in Bible college, I learned that there are a number of responses that we can actually have to the Holy Spirit that the Scriptures record that are sinful. I was given seven. If I remember correctly, our professor said there may be more, but in his comprehensive study, that was what he had found. He had found that we can blaspheme the Spirit, we can lie to the Spirit, we can grieve the Spirit, uh, we can resist the Spirit of God, and there are seven, and they're all found in the study sheet. If you'd like to look them up later in the verses that were given to you. When we do not respond properly, when we respond negatively to the Spirit, I would add this, we limit the Holy One of Israel. That is a phrase actually taken from the Old Testament when the Lord, speaking to the children of Israel, said, because of your response to me, you have limited me. Did you ever think that you could live your life in such a way that you can limit God? It's really kind of an overwhelming thought. That by your actions, by your words, by your reactions, you can actually give a limitation to what God can do. I also learned from that same professor that there are at least four positive responses that we can have uh, to the Holy Spirit as well. We can allow him to fill us. We can allow him to lead us. We can listen to the Spirit and we can walk in the Spirit. I would say there are at least those four. There are a couple others that have similar dynamics to them. 
So I first of all want to talk to you about, are there spiritual activities? I want to ask two questions today. The first is this, are there spiritual activities in your life that demonstrate that you're in a right relationship with God through the working of the Spirit in your heart? Now that, that's a full question. Uh, typically my points are very brief, uh, easy to sum up in three or four words, but this one's a little bit more expanded. I'm asking a question. Are there spiritual activities in your life? Let me just stop and just address that briefly. There, there are some activities that are definitely manifest or seen in your life. In fact, in this Galatians 5 passage uh, from verses 19 to 21, it talks about the, the works of the flesh which are manifest. Uh, they are seen. So if you have some of those works in your, going on in your flesh, people usually see them going on. When, when there's spiritual activity going on, it's not always obvious, not always naturally seen. In fact, uh, if I were to ask you, how many of you would say, uh, uh, I, I noticed that there were 32 people coming in this morning that were filled with the Spirit. Could, could you tell me that? He says, well, I can't tell you that. I, I would hope there'd be a whole building full of people who are filled with the Spirit, but the reality of it is, those spiritual activities are often internal and need to develop before they're really seen in our lives. So are there spiritual activities going on in your life that are being demonstrated? So are they coming out, and we're going to address the fruit secondarily in this message, so are they coming out by there being some fruit in your life, there being some characteristics of God working in your heart and life? So again, the question is, are these spiritual activities being demonstrated in your life? Are they proving to others, are they showing to others that you're in a right relationship with God because of the work of the Spirit? Let me ask you a question. If you're a Christian, are you automatically spiritual? The answer is what? No. The reality of it is, even though that a person is a child of God, doesn't mean they're always in a right relationship with God. So a person that is spiritual means not only are they a Christian, but they're living in a, a right relationship with God. Let's look at the passage of Scripture. Let me, let me address it this way. Let me, I'm going to begin with verse number 16 and just kind of walk us through a majority of the text here and, and then make some comments to words and phrases that, I, that stood out to me. This I say then, Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit and the Spirit against... Wait a second, what does that mean? It's the flesh lust against the Spirit and... And the spirit, understood, means lust against the flesh. What does that mean? What well, is the idea? They each desire to defeat the other. Your flesh desires to defeat the spirit of God that is in you. And the spirit of God that is in you desires to defeat the flesh that is in you. But as long as you have that war constantly going on, meaning sometimes you're living in the flesh and sometimes you're living in the spirit, the scripture goes on to say... These are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. Remember I said earlier, you can actually limit God and the effect and impact of God in your life? 
Well, part of the way that you limit that is by living a double life. Being controlled sometimes by your flesh and sometimes by your spirit and you just keep ping-ponging back and forth. So your wife doesn't know when you walk in the door, who am I getting today? Is he going to come home uh, filled with the spirit and and loving and joyful and peaceful and long-suffering? Or is he going to come home filled in the flesh and angry and, and critical and so forth? So again, we can't do what we would. We are limited when we live this double life. He goes on to say in verse number 19, or 18, excuse me, but if you're led by the Spirit, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. It goes on then in verses 19 to 21 to discuss the various works of the flesh which are manifest. But I want to focus then beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace. By the way, are these things being demonstrated in your life? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are, that are Christ have crucified the flesh and the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let me just stop there for the sake of time. In this passage of Scripture, it mentions walking in the Spirit, it mentions being led of the Spirit, it mentions the fruit of the Spirit, it mentions living in the Spirit, and, and the second time, walking in the Spirit, which, by the way, is actually a different word. Let me start at the end and work backwards a little bit. The, the word live in the Spirit means to be, to be born of the Spirit, to be given life by the Spirit. It's actually synonymous for being saved or becoming a Christian. Let me ask you, is there a point in time in your life that you, you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and became a child of God? Has there been a point in time in your life where you began to live in the Spirit because the Spirit is living in you? That, that's the most critical question I could ever ask you. Because once we, are, we become a child of God, we can then glorify God with our life. We can live up to His potential for us. We can have a relationship with God. And at the end of that relationship, and the end of our lives, we have eternity with God in heaven. What a tremendous opportunity for everyone. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. You'll be delivered. You're delivered from your sin and given an eternal life with God. So first of all, the question is, are you living in the Spirit? Are you a Christian? Because otherwise, to try to change your life without Christ is merely a facade and won't usually last for very long. There has to be that element of Christ living in you and the Spirit of God living. You can't bear the fruit of the Spirit unless the Spirit of God is living in you. So he says here in verse number 25, as you look at that, if we live in the Spirit, if we're Christian, let us also walk in the Spirit. So this is something you add to. Christianity is not merely about becoming a Christian and then living the way you want. He says, if you're truly a Christian, then let us also, let's add to that. You have this option, you have this choice, which God is commanding. Let us also walk in the Spirit. How many of you, uh, at one point in your life, you were in the military? Raise your hand. Okay, and we are accepting all branches, okay, as military. Uh, Okay, a number of you. So you know what it was like to fall in line under uh, a commander of some sort. You were falling in line under them, and some of you had the, the, the privilege of being officers in the military. 
So you, under, you may understand this term. It has the idea of, of falling in line. Following after the one who's in charge. Following after the one that's a leader. So as Christians, we are to be walking in the Spirit, meaning we are to be falling in line. Whatever the Spirit dictates for us to do, we should obey. So it takes me back to verse number 18. If we are led of the Spirit, so, uh, but if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Meaning, as long as you are following the Spirit and allowing Him to lead, and by the way, this is a permission you're saying, all right, Spirit, I want you to lead, and I'm going to simply follow. Uh, a number of you would have a GPS in your car, some type of a navigation system. Uh, sometimes you're following it, but you have no idea where you're going. Uh, the realization is wherever it's dictating, uh, you're going to follow along. I remember one time I was going up to a funeral of one of our people in the upstate. Uh, their parent had passed away, and, and it said to turn right onto south, whatever it was. Well, to turn right was to go north on whatever it was. Uh, I, I, I had to make a decision there, made, thankfully made the right decision. But again, I'm allowing that GPS to navigate my way to the unknown place. Well, as a born-again Christian, we are allowing now the Holy Spirit to lead us. By the way, will the Holy Spirit ever lead you to sin? So he said, you're not under the law as long as you're following the Spirit. It's like some of you, how many of you, I'm going to honestly ask this question, I want to raise it. how many of you always obey the speed limit? You're going to drive the speed limit or under, basically all of your life, please raise your hand. There's one. Okay, praise the Lord for that one. Carol's the only one that doesn't have to worry about, is there any cop sitting anywhere? I'm not going to ask you, Ted, I already know the answer to that. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you, buddy. I'm there, friend. <laughs> uh, you, you know what? As long as you're obeying the law, you don't have to worry about who, where the police are, right? Correct? As long as you're obeying the Spirit of God, doesn't matter what the laws are. And I'm not talking about the laws of the country. I'm talking about God's laws because the Holy Spirit will never lead you. So the Holy Spirit will never lead you to be critically angry at someone. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to swear at someone. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to steal from someone. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to slap someone or beat someone. The Holy Spirit will always lead you in a way that pleases God. As long as you follow that spirit, the leading of that spirit, you are in a right relationship with God. The moment you quit following the leading of the Holy Spirit, you are no longer in a right relationship with God. Are you getting the picture? So if we live in the Spirit, we're Christians, we need to then say, you know what, I'm going to fall in line then under God. God's going to lead me by His Spirit. So then look at the verse number 16 where we started this very beginning of the passage. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. By the way, it's different than the, the earlier walk that we discussed, which is later in the passage. That one meant to fall in line under. This one means to be occupied with to be consumed by, to be regulated by. So as it's saying, as the Spirit leads me, this is going to begin to, to take control of me. 
I'm going to allow, it's, it's the idea of allowance, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to now take control of my life. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to regulate my life. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to regulate how I communicate. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to regulate my anger. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to regulate my activities, what I get involved in. So a Christian to remain in a right relationship with the Holy Spirit needs to then allow that Holy Spirit to regulate them. He says this, this I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, so get the bottom line here. If I as a Christian maintain a right relationship with the Spirit, allowing Him to lead me, being occupied and regulated by His commands, I don't have to worry about the law, and get this, I don't even have to worry about my flesh. As long as I'm listening to the Spirit, my flesh is, is really doesn't have a decision to make. Do you remember the Lord Jesus Christ at a point in time in His earthly ministry he, he resisted Satan, and Satan departed from him for a season. Wouldn't you love that to be a part of your life? Doesn't it seem like he's always there? Another portion of Scripture in the book of James, he says that we are to resist God, and the devil will what? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> you, boy, you, you're just falling in line, dear friend. You weren't listening to what I said. I made him a, if we resist Satan and we draw nigh to God, Satan will flee from us. Why is that? Because here's somebody controlled by God. Satan departs. So what would begin to change the dynamic of our home? What if everyone living in the home was controlled by the Spirit. Some sighed. Some closed their eyes. Like, wow. What a change it would be if no matter how many there are within the home, if everyone was saved, was falling in line, being led by the Spirit and regulated by whatever the Spirit wanted them to do. You wouldn't need roles in the house. You don't like roles? Then why don't you all live like Christ? You don't need roles. Don't need regulations. Don't need someone to say, stop doing that. Let me ask you, the way you live your life, I'm not asking you, does it, do you demonstrate it when you're at church? Or do you demonstrate it when you're at work? Or do you demonstrate it when you're out doing this or that? I'm asking you, do you demonstrate it in your home? Sometimes home's the best place to be. Sometimes home's the worst. Sometimes it's like we try to walk in the Spirit as long as we're around people uh, of other interest or people we're trying to impress. But when it's just with family, we feel like we can say what we want, do what we want, 
almost as if God has control of every part of my life as long as I'm outside of my walls. But I can do whatever I want when I'm within my walls. So it leads me to the second part of this. Then, is there evidence then of that fruit in your life? Because the way you're going to ultimately tell, we're we're getting around springtime, right? How many of you are planning to do some type of a garden? Raise your hand. Go ahead, keys. You can put both hands up. Your garden's so massive. Uh, anyway, uh, so a number of you are desiring to plant a garden, and what you're going to do is start with some small plant. And, and if, if you're like me, I'm out there like 14 hours later looking to see if it's up yet. You know, uh, whenever I plant grass seed, I'm like constantly looking at it. And uh, I, I think I wilt it before it ever grows. Uh, you know, I just dry it out. Uh, but anyway, it, it takes a little while to germinate, and, and eventually it begins to push forth. Karen's got some uh, plants growing up in my study, and I can't put my blinds down because there's plants there. I've got to leave the sun to get in and uh, so forth. I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm not complaining at all. Uh, but there's, I'm, like a, I'm like a greenhouse. Do you, do you rent that property from me or not? <laughs> I ought to start renting that space on my window sills. And uh, anybody else want to want to rent some spot from me? Anyway, uh, already it's, it's, it's coming. There are plants coming up right in my study there. Well, it's kind of like that spiritually. We begin that journey, and then the process of time, all of a sudden, there's some fruit coming out. I said to Karen the other day, I said, wow, look, look across the road there. You could see the, the red buds pushing on a tree. They weren't to be pushing. It was February. But with, with, the, warmer, with the, uh, warmer winter that we've had and the global warming that we're enjoying, uh, they're, they're pushing early, you know, correct? We're, we're seeing life. Well, that's what happens in Christian life. If you're truly walking in the Spirit, and you're truly being led by the Spirit, and you're being occupied by the Spirit, you're going to find that you're going to become a more loving person. It's not going to be you. It's going to be the Holy Spirit living in you. You're going to become a more joyful person. Are you an angry person right now? So when, when you're angry, you're not demonstrating that you have the Spirit of God working in you. In fact, while you're angry and in those fit of rage that you have, you're walking in the flesh. So is, is there joy? Is there peace? God is actually try, striving to cultivate in your life fruit. That as you have this relationship with Him, it comes out of your life. Love, joy. Peace, long-suffering. Take a moment, turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 5. I'm going to reference Galatians 5 again, but you may not necessarily need to be there in order to catch the information. God had always desired to produce fruit. And so to produce fruit, he had chosen a vine, By way of illustration, he would often use the vine. He initially wanted to produce fruit through the nation of Israel, but their fruit did not live up to his expectation, and so he chose his son. 
Jesus Christ. I am the vine, ye are the branches. And He wanted you to bear much fruit. And without Him, ye can do nothing. So, back when it was the children of Israel, it wasn't like God was leaving it all up to them. God was doing a lot to make sure that they could produce fruit for Him. So I want you to understand that concept. It's not like God is expecting fruit in your life, but you've got to bring it up. You've got to work it out. You've got to figure it all out. You've got to do it all in your own strength. God is actually going to do all the work for you. Look at Isaiah chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. So notice what he first did. Now I will sing to my well-beloved a song of my well-beloved as touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard, and look at this, in a very fruitful hill. You have any clay in your yards? I sure do. If you want to grow anything great in this heavily sedated clay area, you've got to bring something in. Uh, so you're going to need some mushroom soil. You're going to need some type of topsoil. Uh, do some raised gardens like I, I did for Karen. And you just you, you don't want to fill it with clay. Well, the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to choose a fruitful hill. And he, according to verse number two, he fenced it. He gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it. And also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes. So he's, he did all this work. He said, Man, I'm going I'm to, this is the best spot to plant. The, and, and he's using the visualized picture. He had chosen the best place to put Israel. And, and, and he had gotten rid of, he, he fenced it about. He was going to protect Israel. And he, he's going to gather out the stones. And, and, and he's going to build a tower. And he picked the choicest vine, which at that time was Israel. I'm going to pick my own people. And he says, I'm going to build, I'm going to build the wine press because I'm expecting the harvest to come forward. And it brought forth, the Scripture says what? Wild grapes. Small, bitter, seedy, if I remember correctly. Not what he wanted. If you read on in Isaiah uh, 5, he goes on to discuss this. In fact, I'll, I'll look at verse 4 yet. What could, I have, what could have been done more? I'll just stop there. God said, what else could I have done? I did everything. I stopped to consider that application to my heart and life. And God must at times be looking down at Keith Schweitzer and saying, what else could I have done? I've given him everything to live a loving, joyful, peaceful life. And look at sometimes the anger and the discord and the criticism. How at times we must, going back to the negative responses, how, how, at times how we must grieve. 
the Spirit of God. Dear friend, again, this is not about, boy, they need to change. I'm glad he's preaching this message. They need to hear this. We all need this. For any one of you who is a believer, God wants you to make this choice. I want you to make this choice that you're going to fall in line. You're going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're going to become occupied with what the Spirit was striving to do in your life. As long as you are doing that, you don't have to worry about what the laws are. As long as you're doing that, doing that you don't have to worry about your own flesh. Because the Spirit is going to give you victory over the flesh every time. As long as you are living in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And all of a sudden, there springs forth this fruit. Love. Joy. Peace. I thought about long-suffering. It's the next one. I, I thought about how Easy, how much easier it is to be long-suffering if you're filled with love, joy, and peace. Do you ever stop and think about that? Sometimes we, we just get tired of putting up with someone. And, and we think, boy, if only they would change. But you know what? If we were loving, if we had the Spirit of God working in us and we're loving and joyful and peaceful. Now, I'm not saying they, they shouldn't change. I'm not saying there aren't needing for other changes. But I am saying if we had all these things, how much easier it would be for us to be long-suffering. To be meek and gentle and temperate in our lives. I then added to that this thought in meditation. It was kind of my final prayer for this message. And anyone that's preached kind of knows what that might look like in their life. And it really kind of hit me that as I bear this fruit, it then makes it more easy for me. Now notice I said more easy because it's not ever easy but it makes it easier to walk in the Spirit, be led of the Spirit, so that we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It ends up almost being like a catch-22, or I don't know what other phrase you want to use. When I, when I do those things, I, I become filled with the Spirit. Now that I'm filled with the Spirit, it makes it a little easier to do those things. The question I have is, when you're living in your home, are you walking in the Spirit? Does your family see a different version of you than everybody else? Could it be that when you're at home, when it should be peaceful and joyful and loving, it's actually very contentious? And the reality of it is, what you are outside the home isn't because of the Holy Spirit working in your life. It's because you're controlling what you're doing outside of the home to impress others. But once you have no one there to impress and it's just your family, it's really evident to them you're not a Spirit-filled individual. Wouldn't you like life to change? Wouldn't it be great if you were more loving, joyful, peaceful in your home? 
Wouldn't it be great if Christ was more evident and the Holy Spirit more evident in your life? The key to all of this is really surrender. It's allowing Him to take control. Surrendering your angry spirit. Surrendering your critical words. Surrendering your dominant personality and saying, I surrender all. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe as I preached and I spoke about living in the Spirit, some of you recognize that in your life that you can't you don't know of a specific time where you would look back and say at that point in time I trusted in Christ alone for salvation and I became a child of God is there someone here willing to raise their hand and say Keith would you pray for me I I'm not sure I'm a Christian I'm not sure that living in the spirit is speaking of me. Will you pray for me? With just an uplifted hand, in no way will I embarrass you, but I will pray for you. Who would then say, I'm speaking out of Christians, who would say, Keith, as you preached, while I'm a Christian, I'm not very spiritual. Meaning, I'm, not too often I'm actually really in a right relationship with God. And I know that because of the works that are coming out of me instead of the fruit that God's trying to produce in me. No matter what anyone else around me does, I'd really like to surrender today and ask the Lord to begin to lead me and my life and how I live starting within my home. I'm being really specific. You're saying, I want you to pray for me that I'll be led of the Spirit and bear the fruit of the Spirit in my home. Will you pray for me with an uplifted hand? Keep them up there for a little bit. Say, I want that. You may put your hands down. Dear Father, you've seen these hands that have been raised and you've seen the homes that they're living in, the quality of life their family has because of the way they're living it. Uh, Father, I just pray that you'd really work in our hearts, that we'd be willing to surrender. Father, this isn't something we can just do. This is something we need to allow. If we would uh, allow your Holy Spirit to lead and then we, we would just... Uh, become really regulated by that Holy Spirit's leading, we'll begin to see some of that fruit being produced in our lives. And that long-suffering and other things that we're having so trouble, being temperate, being, being meek, we have such a struggle sometimes of being meek, would be so much easier if the fruit of the Spirit began to, to bear that love, joy, and peace to begin with. Father, I just pray that you would change us from the inside out, that we would allow these changes to be made for your honor and for your glory, first and foremost, but also for the betterment of our family, our spouses, our children, our parents, 
Oh, Father, if every one of us would walk in the Spirit and begin to bear these fruit, oh, Father, we wouldn't need to be regulated by a bunch of rules and regulations, nor would we need to be regulated uh, by your, your law or, or even by uh, just our own flesh. We would have victory and we would give you thanks for it. Guide now in how we apply this message to our hearts. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like you to stand to your feet. I'm just going to ask the pianist to play a song.